I don't feel like worshiping today. He's still God. He's still glory. He's still holy. Whatever you're here for today, whatever uh, week, month, day, lifetime you find yourself, if you drug yourself here today or if somebody else drug you or drugged you, we're glad, you, we're glad you're here. I believe God has something for each of us. Our prayer is always that when we come in this place that we would leave different. And today, I wish I had a nice, sunny, positive message for us. Today's a pretty, cha- pretty good challenge, okay? Are you up for that? Some of you? <laughs> Okay, well, well, like it or not, it's what I got, and so I'm, we're going to go in on this. Um, we are back in the Luke Project. You know, we, took, uh, we had Easter, and then we had a, um, a little mini-series on what it means to love God and love people, and you're going to continue to hear us talk about love God and love people, because that's who we are. That is the DNA of God's kingdom. That, we want that to be the DNA of us as God's people, that above all things, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love all people as ourselves. The last time we were in Luke, I think Charlie spoke about Zacchaeus. We were in Jericho, and we were headed into Jerusalem. And that's in in two weeks, Jesus arrives in Jerusalem. And I am so excited to get, it's not exciting because he knows he's going there to die. But man, we we get into this shoot. We get into the end of this thing, and when he enters Jerusalem, it is a big deal, a big week. And for this week, we had a little bit of a mix-up. I'm just going to go ahead and tell, I'm just going to be transparent. I, I was going to just, you know, leave this out and, and just smile and say it's, it's all good. But see, uh, in, our, in our study um, plan, it said the parable of the talents. So I went to Atlanta, and I was working on it in my head. I know the parable of talents, and I was going through it and put a lot of stuff into that. And I got back, and, and I got um, opened up Luke 19, and there is no parable of the talents in Luke 19. But you knew that, didn't you? I, I, I didn't know. I forgot. There's a parable of the Minas, which, of course, you all know. And so now I have two parables, one that I know I can teach and one I, I, I have to teach, unless I don't tell you and I just teach one of them and not say about it. Well, you know what? As I looked at it and I prayed about this, um, these are two different parables, and, and there's a lot of debate because there's some similarities. Are they the same? But it's pretty obvious. One was preached in Jericho. One was preached in Jerusalem. They're two different crowds, audiences, and, and different things happen. These are two different parables. And as I looked at both of them, it was amazing to me that God said, the power of this is teaching them in tandem. And so today we're going to get two for the price of one. So it's, it's BOGO. You get, like, you get one sermon, but you get two, which means I usually preach for 48 and a half minutes. So today... Today, I will not teach even any longer than that anyways, okay? <laughs> Just keep the suspense going. So we have these two parables. One is in Matthew 25, and I'm going to jump into that because today has a lot of teaching. We're going through a lot of text, and so I'm going to jump in. You can join me. Matthew 25. Let's see what, sh- what page that is in our Worship Center Bible. It is page 790, 794. I'm sorry, 694. 694. Matthew 25, verse 14. Jesus here is answering the question, what is your kingdom going to be like and when will your kingdom appear? Because the people believe something. See, they believe that when the Jewish Messiah came, he would throw off the Roman rule. He would lead them to political and military dominance. It would look like David's kingdom in the past, a Davidic king. And so they're asking, when's it going to happen? Because we're really tired of living with these, this, these people over us. And you claim to be the Messiah, so, so like... So like when and what's it going to be like? So he never just tells them like it's Tuesday at five. He doesn't tell them any of these things. He tells them parables to describe when he's coming, coming back. He's, he, they think it's the first coming. He's talking about a second coming here. He says this in verse 14. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants 
and entrusted his wealth to them. This is easy so far. A wealthy man is leaving. He has to entrust his, 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 everything to somebody, so he calls the, the servants he trusts, and he, and he gives them uh, the resources. And Jesus is the wealthy man in this parable. So as we read this, we see that this is Jesus going on a journey and entrusting his servants with something. I don't know, you guys tracking so far? It's coming together, isn't it? Says this in verse 15, once he, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to one one bag, each according to his ability, then he went on his journey. Now the actual word here for bag is, is talent. Not talent like America's got talent. Actually, talent here is a weight of precious metal, like a talent of silver or a talent of gold. It's a heavy measure of a weighted precious metal. A talent is one of the biggest. So if you have one talent, one bag of gold, you have a lot of gold. I did all the math and all these things, but it's, it's, it's irrelevant. I just want you to know that this is a large sum of money. Today, if a wealthy landowner left and gave you five talents of gold in our economy, it would be millions. Like, this is a big amount. And not just big for the one who got five and two, but big, it's a windfall for the one who got one bag. So we see that this man is not just wealthy, he is incredibly wealthy. Jesus is leaving. But his ways must continue, so he doles out resources based on how he's created them. Now, we, it says according to their ability, right? He gives some different according to their ability. We say, oh, Jesus, this isn't fair, at least in your economy, we should all get the same, but we get this, right? There, everybody has their own gifts and everybody has their own abilities and, and, and some, he trusts each according to who they are, but he's giving each of them generously. We need to see that. Each receives generously by, based on how he created them. Now these bags, these talents, what do they represent? What is he leaving? Did he leave us with gold? I, I have no gold. Does, do you mind get any gold from God at, upon the baptism? No, so it's, it, it's not gold, like it's like, like, here's your bag of gold, Ed, you just got baptized, welcome to the king, you know, no, yeah, we, I, we'd be like, get in line, get in line, five bags for you, <laughs> yes, yes, no, no, it's obviously, it's not, it's not gold, what is this? You see, each of us was created and entrusted with different resources. It, we think of money. Money is part of it, but money is not even near the whole of it. What does God leave us with? Each of you is resourced by God. You have a unique and different personality. Did you know that? Extroverts, raise your hands. Introverts, raise your hands. The best part is, extroverts are like, yeah! And introverts, half of you didn't raise your hands, and you're a little kind of freaked out that I asked you to. Like, oh! I almost had a charismatic moment there, and I didn't even mean to. The first time some of you have ever raised your hands in church. <laughs> Personalities are different. That's just one small personality trait right there. He created us all so different. Then you go into the other personalities, thinker and feeler, perceiving, judging, all these things, and you are uniquely you. You have gifts and talents, things that you were born with, talents, raw talent that you have that others don't have. My mom can sing beautifully. You can. She always has been able to. My dad can sing good. I can sing okay. I'm like a two-bagger when it comes to singing. I can carry a tune, but I can't five-bag it. I can't do that. But there are some people that when they sing, you know they can sing. And there's people I've heard sing that don't have any formal training. And I'm just like, wow. 
For me, it's such a gift because I cannot produce it. We got a video here of a, a guy, a mobile phone salesman. You've probably seen it. It's been around. It's Paul Potts. And, and so he's going to sing for us. And it's just one of these things I realize as I watch this, I realize I could dedicate myself every day and not get up and do what this guy's about to do. So let's watch this video about talent. And how he, no matter how much I work in my life, if I sing, women don't cry in the good way. <laughs> they do, but... Not in the way that I would want them to. Like, I can't imagine that, just singing and people are like, oh, wow. No. And to prove it, I'm going to, can you guys start, I'm going to sing this for you just to show. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not going to show you. <laughs> I'm not going to show you the differences of talents and, and what God gives us. But wow. Listen, again, we, can we all just admit we're, we're all unique some of you were given minds and personalities and, and mental and emotional intelligence and, and, and skills and skill sets and abilities to work with your hands or, or, or whatever that others don't have. And it all comes together to make you, you. Now, these talents, these bags of resources that we're given, these, these bags of gold, were given to us to move his kingdom forward. God resourced you to go and grow his kingdom. Regardless of your job title, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of your position, or I'm not a pastor, regardless of any of that, you are probably more gifted than, than any pastor in this church. There's some of you in here, I'm like, man, wow, I can't do any of that. It doesn't matter your job title. God has resourced you, gifted you, to go and grow his kingdom. No matter where you are, you're uniquely you. And that should be an encouragement, right? I'm, we're getting there. One of you's encouraged. Was that you, Mom? <laughs> I thought, my mom just affirmed me when no one else would. <laughs> yeah, Mother's Day's next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll switch that. You know, some of you have been uniquely put together to, to um, be a leader of business. You've built business. Some of, you, um, some of you have the ability to come along and counsel and comfort the hurting. Some of you have the ability to organize behind the scenes. Some of you have a, all different abilities, no one unique. And who's to say which one is greater or less? I, we're not here to, to talk about that because here's the deal. We always want to know which one's me. Am I the five? Am I the, I'm probably the one. You know, there's a rat race there. And, and so before you go, because we look at a parable, which one's me? You go, well... I'm probably a one. And there's, there's some of us that we, we might actually think that you're a five. Like, can I just say something? Let's all just be twos. Let's be two-baggers because there's always somebody with more than you. And there's always somebody with less than you. So just be cool being a two, okay? There's always somebody that's going to have more or less. And, and so if we can just stop the, the, how we do the rat race and just say, I'm a, let's, for the sake of the parable, let's just be a two, okay? So we're a two, all right. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. The one who with two bags gained two more bags, but the man who received one bag went off. Remember, this is a large sum of money. Dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. Very different responses. After a long time, now, now here in this context, after a long time, Jesus is talking about um, the kingdom to come. After a long time doesn't mean after 88 years, what this means in context is at the end of time, on the last day, at the end of times, as he's talking about what's to come, a long time, the end of times later, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. So he's talking about the second coming, 
The time is to come, and there's an accountability for the stewardship. The man who received five bags of gold brought another five and said, Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, and see, I gained five more. Master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold came and said, Master, you entrusted me with two bags, and see, I have two more. They both are doubling it. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I'll put you in charge of many. Come and share in your master's happiness. This is, this is great. They, they, they've, they have taken what he has given them, and they have done what he has asked. And, 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 and then when he comes back, he says, welcome, welcome to my, come, come in and share in my joy. But then the third servant steps up. The one man who received one bag of gold came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs with you, to you. It's almost like he goes, just see, right here. I didn't lose any of it. Even Stephen here you go. I could have lost it all, but I didn't. He, see, here it is. It's almost like he's trying to, like, th this was his plan all along. The master replied, this is harsh words, you wicked and lazy servant. Wow. Now, he didn't lose the money, but he didn't risk anything either. He didn't attempt anything. There's more going on here. It, it, wicked and lazy? You wicked and lazy servant, you knew I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I do not scatter seed. Well then, you should have at least put my money in deposit with the bank so I could have some interest in his return. Like just at least open a CD. Like go, like, go talk to Glenn or Clayton. Go, go do something. Now put it, just put it in. Like, and, and you might have only a few shekels more, but then you, you could have some more, something. Obviously that would have been enough. He said then I could have had something. But he was lazy, so he did nothing. What he's saying here is you wanted to live your life. You did what you wanted and chose to ignore what I requested, what I gave you. You buried it, put it away, and then went the rest of your life living the way you wanted to live, doing what you wanted to do, leaving it over there, not worrying about it at all. And when time came, oh, good, because I have this insurance over here that I've been keeping since camp and middle school. It's my, it's my bag. Um, here you go, Jesus. It's my insurance. And he's like, you buried that. And you went about your life as if it, 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 it didn't exist. I didn't ask you to keep it safe. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10. For whoever has been given more, they will even get more abundance. And who does not have, even that will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. How's those feel good? Feel goods right now, huh? Fuzzies right there. Weeping and gnashing. This is an intense parable. But I want to pull a few things out of this first before we, we get into some of this. The first thing we have to see is that despite, despite what we might just kind of latch on to that last part, we have a generous God. He lavishes onto his people. He, he gives them tremendous gifts, whether it is the five, the two, or the one, it's a large sum. And why is this important to know? Because a lot of people, we are not stepping out and doing what he asks because we don't know if we can or we don't have the degree or I don't know enough. Did you know that God shows that he resources where he calls? Like if he asks you to go do something, it looks like the God of 
the talents is going to resource you in the way that he would ask you, with everything you would need. Like, like he's going to resource you. He's going to equip you to the places he's going to call you. And so you, you don't need a seminary degree. You don't need to have it all memorized. Maybe you just need your testimony. Maybe you just need your story. Maybe you just need to know what he's done for you. Maybe you just, whatever. But we're, listen, he resources his people. He's resourced you. And so the excuses that we have for not going out, man, you have everything you need in Christ Jesus. The second thing we learn, and this is very important, is that God cares less about how much you have than he cares about what you do with it. You may be impressed with what you have in life. And there might be some people in your life that are impressed by it too. But God is not. From his perspective, it's all little tiny. He's more, he cares more about what we do with what we have than how much we have. He cares more about what we do with what we have than how much we have. This this parable is clear. He expects the same of all of them. If the man with five bags had thought, wow, I just have so much. I'm going to just live my life and do as I please and and continue to build my own kingdom, he would have suffered the same fate as as the third servant. I've, met, I've witnessed a lot of people with, with, that have the most in life bury what was entrusted to them and choose to build their temporary personal kingdoms. I've, I've seen people with hardly anything invest it as much as they can into God. And I'm, I mean, we're not just talking, stop going to just money. We're talking about your leadership ability. You, we're talking about your communication. We're talking about your life, your skills, everything that makes you you, everything. When it says love God with all your strength, it's talking about this. Every influence you can bring to bear in your life, you invest that. You leverage that. This is the shrewd manager me- um, message from, from a month or so ago. The third thing we see is that there's an accountability given to us. You know, some people have been blessed with great influence in the community. How are you investing that in the kingdom? Some are blessed with, with great abilities to help hurting people or, or, or in business. How are we investing ourselves into the kingdom? Jesus is clear here. He says, listen, I'm coming back. I have entrusted into your hands all the resources you need, and there will be accounting. How are you leveraging and investing your life? How are you leveraging what God has, has put inside of you? This isn't the stuff we like to talk about. This isn't the fun, this isn't the fun stuff. But let me just read the next verse. It kind of, let me read the next verse to you, which is actually not part of the parable, but I'm gonna put it on here. When Jesus, Jesus says, when the Messiah comes in glory and all the angels come with him, when I come back as king, listen, I'm gonna leave as savior, but I'm coming back as king. And when I do come in power and the angels come with me, I will sit on a glorious throne and all the nations, nations will be gathered before me and I will separate people one from another. It sounds so judgmental. It's so politically incorrect. But Jesus is always more concerned with spiritual directness than, than political correctness. He, he's gonna speak the truth and he says, I'm coming back. And we have to make a decision here because this is, this is not, it's not fun to talk about but we have to say something. Either Jesus is who he says he is and that last part is true, that there's a judgment. Or he's, he's not who he says he is and all the fun stuff we like in here isn't true anyway. Like, is he who he says he is? 
because he says he's coming back and he says he's entrusted us with some amazing things. And and listen, for some of these people, it was a moment of of glory. And and, and for some, it wasn't. These are not not edifying things, but they're challenging. And and, and I ask these questions of you today. And guess what? You can put it off. You don't have to answer me today. But we will each answer someday. We will each answer at some point to him. That's it. That's the parable of the talents. Good one? Yeah? Should we close it or should I keep going? You guys, give us something good. Like, give, give me some pep. Okay, so, so here's the deal. That's the parable of the talents. Now, it's going to fit in perfectly with the parable of the minas from Luke. Side by side, we compare and we contrast, and we see the strengths of both of these. They're very different, but there are some similarities. In Luke 19, Jesus is in Jericho. He's at Zacchaeus' house. He's just said salvation has come to this house. And then just like Jesus, he transitions randomly to a parable. Jesus would be so fun to hang out with. You're just talking all the You're just talking. Yeah, yeah, the Broncos, the draft. Once upon a time, there was a nobleman. <laughs> like, okay. You know, he, he does this. He just, he's, he's putting this truth in parables, and it's just, he's the master teacher. So we have in Luke 19, they were listening to this. He's talking to, to uh, Zacchaeus. So he went on to tell them a parable. Verse 11. He was going to Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. They thought the what? Kingdom of God was going to appear at once. Here's what they're thinking. Listen, this is what I'm so excited about two weeks from now. When Jesus enters Jerusalem, it's, it's the one who claims to be Messiah, and some think it is, entering the holy city during a holy Passover. Like, like this is, this is the things are, like, something's gonna happen. They think it's gonna come at once. He's making his way to Jerusalem. He has to go through Bethany and Bethphage, two more cities, and then he enters Jerusalem. At that moment, I bet the kingdom's gonna come. Isn't it, Jesus? Isn't it? Oh, you've hinted at some stuff's gonna happen. You said the temple's getting torn down. I ignored the you dying stuff, but you said something's gonna happen. I mean, they're excited, so they ask him these things, and he says, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and return. He's telling them the future. Listen, I'm of noble birth. I'm going to return. I'm going to die and raise again and leave where I will be appointed king over all. I'm going to leave. I will be king over everything. He came, so he called 10 servants and gave them 10 minas. He has 10 servants, 10 minas. Each servant gets one mina. Ten servants, ten minas. Put this money to work until I come back. A talent was a huge amount of money. While a mina is pretty common, okay? It, it's not too much, but it's not too little. It's like, it's, like, it's, like, it's just normal, normal money. This is living money. And he tells them to put it to work, which the original word, the root there is pragma, which comes pragmatic. And it means this, to, to deal sensibly. As you go about your dealings in life, as you sensibly dealing and just go through your life, no special project, no investment. As you go about your life doing business, put this to work. Totally different paradigm. I'm giving each one, and each of you is to go about your life and put this to work. 14, but his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Some people did not want Jesus as king. Some tried to stop it. Now, he's, this, is, this, is a, this is 
referring to those both who don't believe in him now as king, then as king, but also to the religious leaders and the Pharisees of the time who, although he claimed to be Messiah, just kept yelling and screaming, blasphemy, you are not the Messiah. You are not our king. You are not our king. But the next verse says, despite all their efforts, he was made king. And see, that's the thing with Jesus. In, in an age of relativity where, like I say, oh, your truth is good for you and mine's good for you, good for me, he's made king. Okay, Jesus is king. There, there's a relativity that, that just unravels when it comes to Jesus. Some people, whether we like him or dislike him, whether we choose to believe in him or not believe in him, he claims who he says he is. I'm, I'm king. I'm savior. I'm resurrected and I'm king. And right here it says he returns. He was declared king and then he returned. He sent for his servants who had given money in order to find out what they had gained with it. He has an expectation. The first one come and said, sir, your one mina earned 10 more. Well done, good servant. Because you have been trustworthy in a small matter, take charge of 10 cities. That's, that's, that's a great reward. The next one comes and says, with this one mina, I have uh, earned five more. And that says, you take charge of five cities. This is a shocking reward. This is God's generosity once again. But, but let's look, he's king now. It's all his. And those that are faithful, he gives authority to. There's a, in the back of this book, there's a lot more on that I'm not gonna get into. But I'll just say this. There is an authority that he gives. He's king of it all. The reward was, was far outweighed the, the life that they lived. Um, when he left earth, he, like you said, he left his savior, but he's coming back as king with all authority to give. The other, th the other servants came and said this. Here's your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. Like I, I fold it up and I put it in a special place right here on the shelf. I, I put it right there next to my, my remote and that's how I would always know it was right there. But it, it's perfectly situated. In verse 21, I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take what you do not put in and you reap what you did not sow. And he gives, he gives the coin back and he thinks they're good. And then he goes into a speech for the reason that he didn't put any effort into it and he blames the king you are a hard man, and so I just put it in a piece of cloth. He blames him. Did the king ask them to keep it safe? Did he say, I'm entrusting you with something? No matter what happens, keep it safe. Dig a hole. Get a handkerchief, if that's what you desire. But keep it safe at all costs. No, he said, as you go about your life, put it to work. I'm sure there was some loss and some gain with the other guys as well. Go take risks. Step out. Further this thing. The king's reply is, is biting. He says, uh, the master replies, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. Again. And then almost you can hear a tone here. He says, you knew me, did you? You, you knew me? Huh, you knew me. That I'm a hard man, that I take what I don't put in and I reap what I don't sow? Hmm. Well, then why didn't you put it on deposit and, and get some interest? You knew me, right? You didn't know me at all. He says, take the one mina from him and give it to the one with ten minas. And the observations from this, first of all, I don't know why it only accounts for ten or three servants. I don't know what happened to the other seven. Those who did not want Jesus as king, it goes on to say that, that they were, they were uh, killed. They were judged. But then as we move beyond the parable, 
we see that there's some very similarities. A wealthy master, three servants, a sum of money, an expectation, and a reward and a consequence. But the differences after that are striking. You see the bags of gold, the talents, the resources he gives us each according to our abilities is vastly different than the coin, the mina he gives us each. The parable of the talents is about leveraging our resources, all the resources in our influence. But the one mina... Every one of us gets the same amount. What is that? What is that one thing? I, I believe we all have received this. He's given us one. Each of us, just one. And he says, as you go about your life, as you go about living, put this to work. Forward this kingdom. And I believe that the mina is our calling, our purpose. I believe it's Christ's mission. See, I believe the talent is the means of the kingdom, but, uh, I'm sorry, the talent is the means of the kingdom, and the mina is the mission of the kingdom. We all have the same. We all have the same mission. And yes, our means may be different, but the mission remains the same. Jesus came to earth. He established a beachhead of redemption with a small group of people. He died, he resurrected, and before he left the earth, he gave them this charge. Go into all the world, teach people about me, and bring them to me. He entrusted to them all that he was about, his mission. He said, you, go forth, each of you, each of you. Now, each of those disciples he told that to, they each had a different bag of resources. Each of them were gifted differently. Peter, all these guys, they were, they were each different according to their abilities and how God had made them, but they were each had the same one singular mission. And as you go about your life, put that to work. As you go through your life, live that out. The first parable, each was giving a different amount based upon their ability. And the second, each was given the same amount according to the king's purpose. One was individually divided while the other was just singularly focused for each of us. The parable of the talents has to do with the capital that you have in your life. When I say capital, I mean all that you have to bring to bear. The parable of the talents is about the capital in your life. The parable of the minas is about the calling in your life. They both work together in a beautiful way, but we have to know about both of these. Will you spend the capital in your life, that's what you, that which you cannot take with you, for a calling that has been placed within you? See, we at the orchard, we understand this calling, this mina, to be love God, love people. And Jesus, he said the entire Bible and prophets can be summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love others as yourself, which is where we get love God, love people. We believe that is the mina that we go throughout life, working out, investing, doing business with. Everywhere I go, I am working to love God and love people. It is the one, there should be the one thing that I see my life through, the grid I see through, the grid I live through, it is the one thing that he's entrusted each of us with. He has invested this into each of us, and that's our call. Amen. Amen, Michael. Thank you, buddy. That is the mina. That's what they were judged on. So listen, that's, that's why we, this, this is why we do the things we need to do, or get to do, all the do's. They're not shoulds. 
This is, a, this, this is an opportunity based on the meaning he's given me to love God and love people. Well, first of all, love God. Listen, that's why worship is worship. That's why it's not just sitting here, oh, jeez. Worship is engaging with the divine almighty and getting to know him better. His word reveals his true nature so I can know who he is and know how to, how to love like him. As, as I rely on his spirit, which resources me inside with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I live and love that out to a world that desperately needs it. As I love God and love people, we become a light to a world of darkness. We become healing to a world that is hurting. Listen, this is a divine privilege that he gives it, and one servant just says, no, this is a weight. I'm going to fold it up, and I'm going to put it there, and I'm going to go live life my way. I'm going to go do what I'm going to do, and when he comes back, I'll pull it off the shelf and say, I still got it. This is my fire insurance. Can I just tell you something? God's given us a divine privilege and opportunity to be agents of catalysts of change on this earth for good. And why do we love God? Why do we worship and read and pray to know him? Because because that that is knowing his nature and then loving his nature to others. We, we, we don't want to just play church here and gather. We want to change the world. We've been commissioned to change the world, not gather for an hour and a half on a Sunday. Oh, this is a glorious calling. I'm so far off my notes. <laughs> Can I tell you one thing about the, the third servant? It's obvious to me. It's obvious to me he did not know the nature of his father. He did not know the nature of his king. Oh, you're a hard man. You know me, do you? You know me? Did you see how generous you are? He did not know the nature of the king. When you know the king's nature, that he gave up his life, you give up your life in return. When you know that he counted his reputation as dead and inserts were hurtled at him and they chanted crucify him, you can say, I can let my reputation die a little bit. I can speak some words. I can, I can step out in some boldness. God, I want to live a life based on the way you lived yours, Jesus. He did not know the nature of the king. And this, and this is a cautionary tale. See, see the, the servant who hid and buried his mina, it could be us. That's, that's what we have to just stop and just pause. It could be us. We could have a faith that we fold in a fancy napkin and handkerchief and put it away and once a week for an hour and a half I take it down and, and I shine it and I go to church and then I just put it back. And it, go, it has nothing to do with the calling, the glorious calling God has given me. It's, it's a thing. It's not, it's, it's, it's not a kingdom. But God's called us to a glorious mission. So this cautionary tale about this servant is that we are asked to take what he's given us out of this place to a world that needs it. It, it can't be a spiritual trinket, our salvation, something we just rely on for just in case someday. <laughs> this has got to be something in our life's blood, something that we live daily, something that makes us come alive. See, the third servant may be even involved in church, but he's not personally invested. He's one who likes to sit and judge, but he doesn't give of himself. He watches, but he won't, he won't work. He, he'll look and see, but he will not love. He says, I will spectate, but I won't sacrifice. I'll show up and watch, but I'm not, I'm not gonna participate and I will not sacrifice. This person puts nothing on the line for God's kingdom. Their reputation and resources are reserved for the building of their own kingdom. And when it's convenient, they'll get the shiny coin and 
and then put it back. This, this servant reveals to us the worst enemy of Christianity. Apathy. Someone who's been given a divine glorious calling and all the resources needed to see it come to fruition and decides to do nothing. See, apathy, spiritual apathy, is deciding where I'll put my passion, where I'll put my energy. And when it comes to spiritual apathy, when it comes to the, this, this third servant here, he's chosen his priorities. And there's a lot of things we cannot choose in life. A lot of circumstances that happen to us, we cannot choose, but we can choose our priorities. And so we have, this man has chosen to put his energy and the best of himself into his kingdom, his business, and, and, and to put whatever's left over into that. But Orchard, we don't have to do this. It's a cautionary tale, and we should all just take a second and say, Father, am I this third servant? Do I have any reflection? Is there any of me in this? And if there is, then during the communion, you know what? Will you come to the table where we have the symbol of God's blood and his body that was broken for us? And you say, forgive me. And then you declare, I want to invest my life fully into the life you have called me to. But Orchard, we don't have to, we don't have to be a third servant. God's calling us beyond this. He's calling us to be a church that takes risks for his kingdom. That we be a church that lays our reputations aside. That when we work in an office with people and we know that, oh, I can't, I want to say something, but I, what will they think? Or, or what if I talk to them? Listen, that we see that the point of all of this is to bring glory to God and move his kingdom. Because someday, someday, he's coming back. Someday he's coming back. And when I, rem when I remember that, it immediately puts my life in perspective. Have you ever gotten a diagnosis or something that immediately, or you have a baby, and all of a sudden everything was so important, just like it like naturally goes, and gets put in the right place, right? There's times in life where just things go, and your order's wrong. He's coming back. He's gonna come back. Orchard that day, may it be a day of joy for us. It may be a day of joy for many who aren't even here yet. Because I believe as God continues to have us become a church that loves God and loves people, the side of this tub will be signed from one side to the next. May we see God's redemptive plan play out in front of us as people we invite, people that come here, come to Christ and join us in his family and become part of the mission, get their own calling, and then they go out. As we end this and the band comes up, these are two very cautionary tales, but there is, it's so challenging, so convicting. I want to remind you, there's no condemnation in Jesus. Conviction from the Spirit draws us toward God. Condemnation from the enemy forces us away from God. If you feel a shame or, or a guilt that is drawing you, pulling you away from him, that's not him. Do not deal with that. In conviction, he says, my son, my daughter... Yeah, you buried it today. Let's go dig it up. My son, my, my beloved daughter, yeah, it's on the shelf. Let's change that. Let's be men and women who rise up to the calling God has given us and see his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. 
Jesus, we thank you for your glory and your power. God, I thank you. Jesus, I thank you for that you are the master teacher, that you put these two parables in there and, and the way they fit together, the way you've resourced us, the way you've called us. Right now, Lord, we want to come before you and in, in the spirit of this moment, engage fully in the resources and the calling you've given us. I pray, Father, that your spirit of worship would be in this place and that maybe for the first time some of us would enter into worship saying, you are God and I will sing and lift my heart because of that. I will forget who's around me. I will engage with you fully. So Orchard, as we have communion, you are welcome. This is an open table. I would ask you that you would get the the bread and, and the juice and that you would consider, consider your mina, Consider your, your talents. Have a moment with, with your Savior, the coming King. And if you need prayer for anything in particular, if you want a prayer of blessing or a prayer of healing or hope, we'll have some people up the front.